wonder if God got a plan for everyone I wonder if I could take a second run Cause I carry on getting sad and getting stuck What I wouldn't give for a life that doesn't suck I'm a moving target No, don't do that, right? What? Um, where is it? Right. Participants, what? Invite. Copy invitation. Come on, come on, come on, come on. What it is, we say. Yeah. Right, hey everyone, welcome back to S3 Podcast, episode 51. I'm with Ollie Pegg, um, who, you know, is in sobriety and he also talks about mental health and through his coaching and yeah um, if you heard us previously um, something went wrong in the software so we're going to start over again but yeah um, do you want to introduce yourself again? <laughs> yeah, hi uh, um, I'm Ollie uh, I'm probably best contacted on social media where I talk a lot about mental health. I talk a lot about addiction, alcoholism, fitness, diets, weight loss. Um, I talk about all sorts really. Um, but yeah, this is where we connected through Instagram and, um, and yeah, I'm on a journey into making myself a better person through sobriety and 
also hopefully inspiring others to change their lives, set some targets, set some goals and make themselves the best person that they can be. So it's always a privilege to be asked to come onto podcasts and I'm very grateful that you asked me to come on here, Billy. So yeah, it's all good. Yeah, no problem. It's like, you know, the thing, what I'm trying to do with my podcast and obviously, you know, I don't want to like, I know that people say this all the time, you know, want to be different. I'm just trying to be myself, but I also, along with talking about important issues that I feel that are worthy to be shared, I also want to have interesting people come on with varying backgrounds who have accomplished, you know, for example, uh, getting sober, um, conquering drug, drug addiction, that sort of thing. People who you wouldn't normally think of to get their perspectives. Because the thing about mental health is everyone has a different experience with their mental health struggles. And it's one of the reasons why I started the podcast. And, you know, I messaged you because, you know, I wanted to get your... Um, opinions or thoughts and I just wanted to get to know you on this level so you know I appreciate anyone who is willing to come on you know I'm not a big podcast but you know it's nice to have people who are either like-minded or have different opinions to say and we briefly uh, covered this in the last one, but that went, but that fucked up. So we just go over it again. But you were talking about, I said to you, like, how did you first know you were alcoholic? And you were saying that you didn't really know at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, most of my life, um, looking back when I've been sober and working on myself. Um, I didn't realise that I drank alcoholically. I didn't realise that I drank to excess. Uh, most of my life I thought I was just a general lad, lad, lad kind of person that went out the pits with the boys and saw girls and did recreational drugs and just lived for the weekend. I thought that was what I was, that was normal. That's what everyone did and everyone felt the same way as I did. Um, I've always had a job and I've always had somewhere to live and I've just about with borrowing off my parents and some friends, I've always had money to survive. So I've never been homeless. I've never been living on the streets or anything like that. And um, in fact, I didn't even drink every day all the time. I just, when I did drink, I drank properly and I was a big, big binge drinker. So it was only really till I, in 2019, I was brought to my knees. I got to my lowest point in life and I was drinking excessively to black out emotions, to black out. So I didn't have to wonder where I was. Um, I 
used alcohol as something to remove me from myself rather than something to enjoy. Um, and then it brought me to my knees and I had an option really either to commit suicide or to go into recovery. Um, so luckily I went into recovery in 2019 and here I am 18 months down the line and changed my life around and realised what some of my issues are and done something about them and trying still to become the best person I can be. But in the process of doing that, you know, I'm also talking to a lot of people about them becoming the best person they can be as well. So it's all kind of support and communication and everything like that. Yeah, so would you say that alongside, obviously, doing it for yourself, would you say that having a support network around you also made it easier for you? Or Yeah, so um, I go to support groups. I go to at least three support groups a week still now. Um, and I use them to talk to people that have the same mental health illnesses and addiction issues as I do and learn from people that not only are new coming in, I also learn from people that have got a lot of sobriety under their belts, like years and years. And just talk, I found talking about my issues as hard as it was at the start, I found talking about my issues helped a lot. And there's a lot of anger, fear, resentments all in me. And I needed to sort them out um, when I first got into recovery because I picked them up along my life and I never did anything about them and apart from drink on them. So having a support network and listening how people got sober listening how people live can live a happy life without drinking was something that i needed because i as soon as i thought i've got to stop drinking i thought what what the fuck is there to do you know that's what i live for i live for the weekend yeah. i live live for getting off my face i was like what like there's another life that you don't drink in like what is this so i need people around me still now and i needed people around me in my early recovery to tell me and show me how to live a sober life. So yeah, community and support is vital. I think another thing, there's a video on YouTube. Um, I don't know if it's a TED talk and I don't want to quote it in case I get it wrong, but it talks about addiction and addiction is isolation. So the opposite to recover from addiction is communication because isolating is going in, being with yourself, and then to fight it, you have to communicate. So support is um, a big thing that I need and I use. So yeah, it's vital. Yeah, I can, yeah, I had a similar situation where I could either reach out for help or go down the route, which, 
I don't I don't know Ziggy statistics, so you know if I get this wrong guy, but if I get this wrong, then you know that's on me. But I think a large percentage of people who struggle with mental health either are in dire straits and sometimes unfortunately the wrong choice is actionable um, mainly because probably they couldn't get the help that they needed but I took the help I went on medication now not now, medication isn't for everyone, so, you know, I understand. But it helped me because it helped me manage my symptoms, for one. I went to CBT and that sort of thing. So, when you went through sobriety and through recovery, were there any particular um, tips and tricks that you learned that was that meant that you were able to succeed outside of the the, the uh, groups? Yeah, so the number one tip that I got was don't pick up the first drink because you won't get drunk. And it took me a while to work that one out because for years and years and years, I used to say, I'm all right until I get to about four pints. And then it's when that's when I start going. So when someone said, don't pick up the first drink, and I was like, well, it's not the first one that gets me drunk. It's the fourth or fifth one. And they said, yeah, but without yeah. that first one, you won't get to the fourth or fifth one, will you? So the biggest <laughs> trick I learned, <laughs> I learned was don't pick up the first drink and you won't get drunk. But before joining sobriety, you mentioned medication and stuff like that. I went to the GP and, you know, you get, you fill out forms and stuff like that about your mental health. Um, and I lied a bit about how much I drank and stuff like that. And they gave me uh, antidepressants, but obviously was still drinking on them. So they weren't actually working anyway, because like it says, do not drink alcohol when you have these. So, yeah. <laughs> so, I was, so, you know, I try, I thought that was for years, I thought everything was normal. And then before I realised that I was struggling with the alcohol, I thought it was just like depression or anxiety or something like that. So I went to the doctor to seek help about that. It was only till I went to the support groups and started talking about my head and listening to other people talk about their heads that I realised that I was an alcoholic and I suffered with the disease of alcoholism, which is like, compulsive obsessive negative thinking as well as just using alcohol like alcohol for so many years was my symptom to survive but i wanted to block out my head so i used alcohol then the alcohol stopped working so therefore when that stopped working i had to do something about it and that's where i had to go to the meetings and listen to things like don't pick up the first drink. Um, not only that, I had to distance myself from certain groups of friends because all the socializing was in the pubs and I wasn't ready to go and socialize in pubs. Um, and 
take action always have a plan um don't sit on your hands was a good one for me um that was a little i always had something to do i always wrote down things on notepads i've got no i still have notepads everywhere write down things my calendar's always full so i don't have to sit and think what can i do next so just little things like getting a routine setting targets staying away from the first drink there's little things you learn along the way are the yeah. ones that the ones that stay with you yeah it's like um i watch this couple on youtube um what's the names of oh, nadia, nadia suwala and her husband mark adley um Mark Adley is a recovering alcoholic, uh, 15, 16 years, I think. And I remember one uh, live they did about alcoholism is that, and he said, write a, pro write a cons list and a pros list. Write down everything that goes right when you drink and write down everything that goes wrong when you do. And he's also said that when the cost of a drink costs more than the cost of a drink. Yeah, that one's a big and, one, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, and that's the thing, obviously, you know, with hindsight and 2020, right, it's easy to look back and say, and look back and, you know, look at the mistakes you've done and go and say to yourself, what the fuck did I do that for? But at the time, you're like, your head's a mess. You're still trying to navigate the, I don't want to call it a disease, but it's, but alcoholism is a disease, but like you say, it's, you know, don't like, don't pick up your first drink, but you didn't realise that until it makes sense. And, you know, even though, like I said in the previous one, that I don't struggle with alcohol, never have, even though I have family members on my dad's side who do, I don't associate with them. But I have seen it at play, and I know that from my experience being on the outside of it, I know that it can cause a lot of devastation if it's not treated or you make the right move. But going through all of that, what is the biggest, in your experience, what has been the biggest misconception about going to recovery for you? Like, whereas before you said, oh, what's recovery type mentality? Yeah, so... Um... I think when you think of people in recovery, you think that they're going to be miserable and boring. And you think that because people have a stereotypical alcoholic who drinks, they don't realise the kind of what people are like in recovery and the people that keep coming to the meetings. So 
For me, a big kind of misconception is that people probably think we're boring and people probably think that we've not got much going on in our lives and stuff like that, which is totally bollocks, really. Um, because for one, we're alcoholics are everywhere. I know there's famous actors and actresses that are alcoholic. I know there's singers and big CEOs because we part of alcoholism is we're obsessive and we're driven. So when you stop putting that obsession and the drive into alcohol, you put it into other areas, probably to better yourself. So, yeah. you know, you sometimes I stay in the support groups and a big thing is the alcoholics have got not much going for them. They're boring and everything like that. And I can stand there and outside a support group and look at the cars that are coming into that car park and, I'm talking Range Rovers and Audis and stuff like that. And they're getting out and like, yeah. And you know, I'm an alcoholic and it's like, yeah, all right. <laughs> like, so I think it's the big misconception of judgment and people think that they're just not very fun or anything like that. And, you know, I've, I've socialized most of my time with people that are in recovery now and, we laugh and we do like we do crazy things. We're still fucking crazy. We just don't drink anymore. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, when you did, you ever do any of the any of the um, twelve step programs? Yes, yeah, so I'm currently working a twelve step or... program. Awesome. I am, yeah, I, I work a 12-step program now and I'll never stop working it. Um, it's, yeah, that's what I do day to day. That's what's keeping, helping keeping me sober. Yeah, because, um, like, say, um, you know, we're talking about the compulsion like and you keep and you're always doing something keeping yourself busy i think that's and correct me if i'm wrong because i don't know but it's what i certainly do for myself is i constantly keep myself moving like you know fig figuratively moving because otherwise you know it can catch catch you up so i think you know doing that is far better than either relapsing or making a mistake by accidentally picking up that first drink or or naively thinking that you are far over you know your however many months thinking that you've got a handle over it that before you know it you're back to square one so I think you know Whatever you can do to prolong your recovery is best. It works for you. It will work for you. A lot of people who I assume who are colleagues, a lot of them may not use 12-step because they might have found something else that works better for them. But recovering from alcoholism isn't... 
I was about to say something then, but I stopped myself. Um, there's no wrong. No, scrap that. I was going. To, I was about to say there's no wrong way about it, but that's a bit of a stupid thing to say. Um, doing doing your recovery in the right way with boundaries, either disassociating, disassociating yourself from that social bubble that you once had. In a small, in as small steps as you can, or you can either eliminate them straight away, can be a massive improvement. And I'm assuming that when you started the ball rolling on the recovery, that you immediately cut all ties with that social bubble straight away, or did it take you a while to finally break free? Um, I think by the time I stopped drinking, I'd already broken a lot of ties through actions I did while I was drinking, um, because I took it to the next level where most people didn't. So I was already a pain in the fucking ass and no one wanted to hang around with me that much anyway. So, (laughs) you know, I didn't have to work that hard (coughs) at disconnecting. Um, myself but I still today I still socialize with people that have I drank with from the start um, like from the start of me drinking I still talk to people um, it's just that I can go about it a different way now and I don't tend to socialize in the pub so it's not really that I have cut people off it's more to do with I've stopped seeing people in places where drinks are served I can still see them and go different places with them. I can still go for dinner or something like that, where it's not like we're not going to get off our faces. It's just boundaries in it, like you mentioned. But yeah. you also you also mentioned about being complacent in recovery, and you know I I'm a firm believer that I just have today, and then tomorrow I have to put in the work again, and then again, and then again. It's not something that I'll ever be cured from. And I'm happy about that because I quite enjoy my life now. I like, I enjoy that I've got a, a routine each day that keeps me level and things like that. So, you know, some people look at it that you keep having to put the work in day in, day out, but I quite enjoy the work. So it's kind of, it keeps me on a level head and that's why I don't come, I try not to become complacent with it and you know, also, I have to put my sobriety ahead of everything in my life. I have to put it ahead of my family. I have to put it ahead of my girlfriend. I have to, it has to be my number one priority. Because if I didn't, well, yeah. if I didn't do that, then I wouldn't have my family around me. I wouldn't have the girlfriend because she wouldn't like me for who I am today. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have anything because I'd be that broken man. So it's kind of the priorities that you have to keep it and I'll never, I'll never pass from it. You know, it's, it's something I live with daily and I will for the rest of my life. And, you know, hopefully I'll never pick up and drink again, but I just have to keep on doing the right things day in, day out and hopefully it'll work. Exactly. It's like, you know, I've done quite a few, I've done a few lives in my private group where I support other suffering mental health and 
whatnot. And I said to them, like, if you're in a relationship or you've got family members who either trigger you in any way, um, it's important for you to put boundaries. You're the number one priority. That's not to say that you don't care about your family members or your boyfriend or girlfriend. It just means that I put it this way. If I'm not there, if I'm not taking care of myself, if I'm not all there, how can you expect me to be there for you when I'm not when I haven't given myself time to myself? And that's what I say. It's important to keep on top of whatever it is you're doing, like recovery or your mental health, taking it one day at a time. Which is I've always said that, you know, because that's what you've got. You don't know what's going to happen. You could get hit by a bus tomorrow. You could get hit by a truck. You don't know. Just take it day by day. And, you know, I've listened to Mark Adley. Adley um, and, you know, he still struggles to this day. You know? And... It's, people can either say it's a curse, well, yes and no. Yes, it's a curse, but it's a curse that I have to live with. And, you know, you're, you're, it's either, you either drank to, how do I say, bury the demons, so to speak, um, or to not, or to make you feel numb. Whatever the case may be, you know, it's important that obviously, like yourself, you're, you're busy all the time, you're giving yourself busy, hey. you're exercising. Um, Pardon? Um, yeah, it's like, like you're saying that you keep yourself busy. And, you know, it's how you combat those thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. So keeping yourself busy and having a routine is key. Um, I think that, you know, we mentioned it one day at a time is the way that we have to live. And I don't even plan a lot like months in advance now i used to have i used to have a big life plan and i wanted things to happen at a certain point in my life and then i got well nothing on that life plan actually fucking happened to be fair <laughs> and then i realized and then i realized so what's the point in having a life plan you know you have to take it day by day something yeah. can happen I mean, there's little things like a holiday or something like that. But like I used to think, right, I'm going to be married by 30. I'm going to have my first kid at 32. I'm going to have my second kid at 34. This is how my life's going to end. And this is how my life's going to go. I'm going to have a decent job, blah, blah, blah. None of that has happened. Not one, like, I'm not married. I've never been married. I don't have kids. I'm 32. So none of that has fucking gone to plan. But that's all I had in my 20s that that was going to happen. 
you know so it's like keep it in the day keep your exercise so I do crazy things in my sobriety now I run marathons and you know I think that's a way of enough punishment to my body that isn't drinking um, I can run marathons I go on runs I do a lot in the gym I have a routine I have a coach like my own PT that coaches me so I don't have to I've got someone to report to to keep me accountable in my program and everything like that and then I also have someone that I can talk to about my mental health issues and you know I think that's all that I need to kind of remember is that you've just got this routine and plan and exercise today and it's like just keep doing it today and you'll be all right tomorrow exactly i mean how many marathons have you done so far uh, i did the london marathon last october and then i did an ultra marathon in november which was 37 miles um and then i'm now in training for an ultra weekend where I'm doing 30 miles one day and 20 miles day two. But before I stopped drinking, I used to compete in other sports as well. And I did a couple of half marathons and, you know, exercise has always been part of me. It's just now that I can excel at it more because I'm not using substances to fucking break my body really. Yeah, um, it's like whenever whenever I go, well, not now obviously, but before they shit in the fan, I remember town, especially on a on a Friday night or weekend, the amount of people I used to see outside of clubs, some of them were out, pissed out of their face, couldn't couldn't even walk. And I, and I was thinking, like, I don't pass judgment on anyone. On anyone. If that's what you want to do, f fair enough. But, and I walk past and I look at um, the prices. And it's like, I, all I see is, is the price is like, you get 10 shots, 10 shots for a pound or 10 shots for a fiver. And I'm thinking, you're joking. So, so let's say you go out at seven o'clock at night. Go out from seven o'clock at night till maybe what? Let's say three, four o'clock in the morning. I'm like, yeah. When you're young, it's like when you're young, you think, yeah, you're you're indestructible. Oh, I can handle it. I'm nineteen, twenty. Yeah, no problem. Wake up the next day, go work. If I did that, I'd probably, I'd probably be, I'd probably be dead. I'd probably be hungover or be thrown up. And I'm like, I don't. 
I don't understand why you'd want to do that to yourself, but, you know, like I say, I don't pass any judgment, but then that cycle continues go until you're in your, like, late 30s, 40s or 50s, and some of them do change their life around and snap out of it, but that's a bit of a, that's a, a huge risk to take. Because, you know, not everyone is an, is an alcoholic or has that gene. But the amount of damage that obviously, you know, alcohol does, um, obviously, if you take into effect that obviously, I mean, you weren't really damaging your body that much because like you just said you've always exercised you've always, you've always done exercise throughout all of it I assume so you probably haven't done as much damage as maybe someone else has but it's about keeping this up here busy so you know I think no what you so I think you've been sober or in sobriety for eight for eighteen was it eighteen months you said? Yeah. Yeah, so for I think I have to I have to commend you because you know I think what you're doing obviously every day is like it's hard work and you know I'm sure that there's there are days where you, you probably wake up and think oh not today I just want to like have an extra lay in bed or whatever but it's that but like I said it's that routine you probably you probably have a routine to where you go to bed bed at a certain time wake up either go out for one or go gym is it that is it that regimented or is it or has it got or has it or has it got to a point gotten to a point now where you can sort of um like cherry cherry pick what you do and don't do? Yeah, so I don't know if it's regimented or anything like that, but just going back to what you were saying about damaging my body, um on some on occasions I used to get kidney pains massively and I used to get them quite a lot and I used to have to stop drinking because of my kidney pains. But like you said, I, I didn't, I wasn't ever dependent on alcohol. I could go for a certain period of time without drinking, but it's what it did to my head that did the long lasting damage. It was the mental like trauma that it gave to me mentally. And yeah, today, Today, I still have those days where I can't be asked. Still have those days where I think, fuck work. Um, but I do have a busy routine. I have a busy life. And you mentioned sleep. And I find sleep is very important to my mental health. Um, I am pro, very much pro-sleep. That we should, as any adult, should be getting like eight hours a night sleep. And if not, make it up and have a nap the next day. Um, sleep is very important to me. But my regimented routine is 
I normally, I work a early shift, so I start work at five in the morning. So I'm no chance of my running or going to the gym before five in the morning. I know I'm nuts, but I'm not that nuts. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, I, um, I get out, I go to work and then I don't even come home between going, going from work to the gym. Um, and I do that every time I'm on a shift and then I'll be working on, I'll have a quick nap and then I'll be working on either my fitness coaching or I'll be going to a recovery meeting at, at night. So, you know, I'll keep everything busy and I keep it in the day and, that's the way it's working for me. So I carry on working it. Yeah. Um, I heard you mention you have a girlfriend. So within the times you're keeping busy and I said, did what you need to do. Did you set aside time to also spend time with her as well? Like you allow yourself to like totally relax or are you always on? Like um, you're always working. No, yeah, I do. Um, I do well. Funny you should say this because I'm a weirdo, right? I have to put things in my calendar like this is time to relax <laughs> because I'll carry on working yeah. and I go on overdrive. I have to say this <clears throat> is relaxing time, and you know I'm a very big. I, I know how important relaxing is and how important rest is. Um, I know in parts of my recovery in this last 18 months, I've got to points of burnout where I've been doing too much um, and taking too much on. Um, so yeah, I have to allocate rest and, you know, I do have time where I do allocate and I switch off from when I'm with my girlfriend and stuff, I don't normally go on social media as much, but I still have a routine where I do a post every day um, update my story every day just to keep on top of that but it's I can I normally pre-write my posts for the times that I'm spending with her so it's literally just jump on social media for five or ten minutes do that and then relax and do things together and we, we share time together that we both have allocated in our planners and lives but you know at the moment, we don't live together. So in the weeks when I'm doing the majority of my work and fitness and recovery, I can, I'm kind of just go about my life the way I want to go about it. And, you know, I'll keep busy and keep it in. And then at the weekends, when we do spend time together, it's more relaxing and it's kind of unwinding from the busy week. So it's a positive that I've taken on that's like when, when we spend time together, it is more relaxing. So it's just another benefit from the relationship because, you know, it's relatively new to me being in a relationship in recovery. And, um, and before when I was single in recovery, even at the weekends, I was manic busy and, I just never stopped and that's where the burnouts came in so it's one of the benefits is that i can rest relax and recover a bit while i always spend time together so yeah it's all good yeah so would you so would you say 
um, since you and your girlfriend have been together, would you say that her support has been a massive plus on top of what you're already doing? Like, say, for instance, if you're having a really bad day mentally and you can't and you can't make it to let's say a meeting and you know she let's say rings you up if she does she support you in that as well if you're having a tough day or does she completely leave you to your own devices because she knows that you've got a routine no she's a very supportive girlfriend and she fully understands so she um we just have a very good relationship and she understands me and you know it's just if i've not been to a meeting which is very doubtful if i don't say i'm going to a meeting she'll probably say you better go to a meeting um yeah. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know it's that kind of thing yeah. because it's it's the support and you know, sometimes my head is off boil and she'll ask me about it and then she, and then she's quite good because she, she'll say, is there anything that she can do? Which is always nice. Um, and then if not, then there's people that she knows I talk to that she can recommend that I go and speak to them as well. So it's just kind of, if I'm in one of those moods, I, I know that I've got the full support from her. I've also got a very close relationship with my mum as well. So we talk a lot more than we ever did when I was drinking. Um, and, you know, I keep, keep people that I care for and love for close to me. So, um, you know, I, I think that, I mean, as well as me having my own routines and going about life like I do, they all kind of know that when he's on a good one and when he's on a bit of a difficult one and just sometimes I just need to be left and I work out by myself and then sometimes I just need little prompts to say, have you spoke about yeah. this? And I'll, I'll go, oh yeah, 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 I'll get around to it. And then I'll wait till it gets a little bit worse and then I'll start talking about it. You know, I'm always yeah. one of those people. I'm one of those people that um, I'll wait for shit to get really bad before I start doing something about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, are you currently working towards your coaching badge or because you mentioned coaching? Yeah, so I'm level, I'm Training, I'm training to be a personal trainer, but alongside that, I'm also training people already um, because I've got quite a bit of experience just through my own knowledge and working with other people. So I'm currently training in personal training and exercise and stuff like that. And, um, and yeah, I'm looking to take that on as a more career-based because at the moment I also have a day day job the one that I start at five o'clock in the morning where it's driving a forklift truck. So it's not actually what I want to be doing. It's just at the moment it's paying my bills and stuff like that. So, so yeah, I'm hopefully looking to be getting into something where I'm actually passionate about where it won't seem, I have to find the balance then because it won't seem like I'm working. Like it's just, 
like I can get all oh it's my hobby really <laughs> like, yeah. but yeah but yeah so yeah I'm I suppose yeah I suppose when you have like a regular job that that's a routine but obviously when you become go down the road of becoming self-employed as a personal trainer I suppose that's when like you say it's gonna be a bit of a a shock and you have to obviously learn to like divide time between work and not work which isn't gonna be easy because yeah there's a high chance that I'll turn into a workaholic (laughs) yeah well if it if that happens to be the case then so be it I mean Personally, I'd rather be a workaholic than going down the other route, the other road, so yeah. to speak. So, but it's but you know what works. But you know, a, a balance to me is different. Is a different balance to you. So what works? So, you know, work. A work-life balance isn't easy, but it can be doable. Um, but it's like because I have a friend who he's struggling as of late, and you know he's he was going to go to university, but he's scrapped that. He's not going to uni anymore, and you know he's going through a bit of a bad time with suicidal thoughts. And, you know, I'm trying to support him as best as I can. But going back to sobriety and recovery, was there anyone in particular who stood out to you, who took you under their wing, so to speak, like through your approach, through your recovery? To show you, like, don't do this. Yeah, so I think, you know, you've got the group. Um, You've got, you start talking to a number of people and, you know, you start listening. When you want it, you start listening. Um, I think that's the big thing is that, you know, you you can start talking to somebody about recovery. You can start talking to somebody about helping protect their mental health. And you can start talking to someone about kind of getting to their issues. But if deep down, they've got to want to change. And if they don't want to change deep down, then they ain't going to do it. It's all about the wanting. So as soon as I entered recovery, I knew that it was something I wanted. So, you know, I used to go to groups and meetings and talk to other alcoholics like me and listen to what they did. So if they did that and they were sober, fuck it, I'll do it, you know, if, if they told me that I had to run naked around Peterborough, where I live, like twice, and you'll stay sober, I probably would have run around Peterborough twice naked, because that's what I wanted. You know, they didn't obviously ask me to yeah. do that, but that's the kind of thing that I would have done. So if they said, "Don't go to a pub," all right, I won't go to a pub. Avoid the alcohol aisle in the shops. All right, I won't go to the alcohol aisle in the shops. 
like don't socialize with people that are drinking for a bit not forever just for a bit all right yeah okay until you build that resilience and then you can start doing those things again but you but you've firm in your knowledge that you know it's okay but you know for a couple of weeks a couple of months you just have to kind of just do what people say and it's like I speak I spoke to so many people in my early recovery and I still do now and I'll take I like to think I take little bits of information from each group that I go to that carries keeps me going on so it's not really that one person it's just a collective kind of mentality of people in recovery and you mentioned it before about there's no right or wrong way there's so many different kind of recovery groups out there there's like drug addiction groups out there that the community and everything are just wanting to help and if you want to make that change it'll probably because you want it so much it'll probably happen it's just just listening to everyone <coughs> There's no right or wrong way. So what works for someone might not work for me. So, you know, I can trial and error it. Yeah. So, yeah, I'll just listen to everyone, see what they've got to say and then go about. And sometimes you just get like a light bulb moment, like, fuck, you know, that guy said that in a month ago in a meeting and now I'm doing it and it's working, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so yeah, it's just the collective, collective group and support that, you know, a connection of like-minded people with the same mental health difficulties have is a power. So, you know, that's what you've got to keep looking at. Keep looking at the group and not the individual. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Um, I have no idea how long we've been going for, but um, is there anything, like, if there is anyone struggling out there right now, this moment, um, what would be your biggest advice to them? Uh, if you're struggling right now at the moment and you don't know what to do, I suggest you talk to someone not it doesn't have to be a charity or a support network or anything straight away just talk to someone who like a friend a family member um share like reaching out and sharing is probably the most powerful thing you can ever do um and it doesn't matter who you reach you don't even have to you can do it on social media now the amount of people that i talk to about sobriety on social media that i've never met just send a message. How are you doing? Like, I'm having a bit of a difficult time. Can you help? Or it's not even asking for help. It's just like the most powerful thing, yeah, is definitely reaching out and just talking to somebody. As soon as that problem is out of you and with somebody else as well, then that's, that's like, I know it sounds a bit corny when they say it's a problem halved, but it kind of is. Um, and you don't have to live with it. So, yeah, if you find it difficult and you're struggling, then just reach out to 
anyone, even talk to your dog. You know, that's sometimes yeah. therapeutic. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I've, it's like, for my mental health, I've, I've wrong, I've called the Samaritans once or twice for someone to talk to. Um, with, regard, with regards to um, phone numbers or recovery groups for alcoholism, what would be the best way to get in contact with a support group? Is it via Facebook or? Um, um, just Google. Just Google alcohol support groups. You know, you've got Aspire, you've got Drink Sense, you've got Alcoholics Anonymous, you've got, uh, I think there's Drink Watch. You know, there's all just loads of different ones. Um, I spoke to two charities. I speak to I spoke to Aspire, who's drug and alcohol, um, and I spoke to Alcoholics Anonymous. I think I spoke to someone at Drink Sense once as well. It's all about just finding what works for you. As I said, there's no right or wrong way. There's just different ways that, like, even if you want one-to-one -one interaction with somebody or you want a group interaction or, you know, everyone's different. So there's so many, just Google kind of, you know, everyone's got Google, haven't they? Like, just yeah. Google, like, drink problems. I think if you click on the NHS website as well, it has a list of all alcohol support groups as well and charities. Yeah. Um, well, I think we'll, I think we'll leave it there. Um, I really enjoyed the conversation. Um, I hope I asked, you know, good questions you know um if you wanna you know find if you wanna hear more from ollie peg or check him out check him out on instagram at ollie peg um like he said he tries to upload you know once a day um and yeah i want to thank him for coming on um, again, it was like a bit of a shot in the dark, you know. And, you know, I enjoyed the conversation. I hope that everyone enjoys the rest of their day. And the same to Ollie Peg, although he's probably going to go straight on to something else work-wise. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, thank you for coming on. Um, I appreciate you taking time out of your day. No worries. Uh, thanks for having me on. It's um, always, it's always a privilege to be asked to come on to such things, and talk about mental health and addiction and everything like that. Because if we didn't talk about it, then people wouldn't hear about it, and then people wouldn't do anything about it. So what you're doing with this podcast is amazing, and keep it up. And as I say, you can follow me on Instagram at Ollie underscore Peg or I have got a Facebook page as well, which is Ollie Peg. That's Peg P E W G, 
hyphen becoming you. Um, if you don't mind swearing, because I do swear quite a bit, my mum always tells me off yeah. saying, can't you do a post yeah. without a swear word in? Yeah, if you don't mind swearing, then it's all right. But it's normally honest and factual and yeah, just check it out if you're interested. And yeah, hope you have a good day as well. Yeah. Thank you. And so, yeah, this will be going out on Monday. So I will, so when this goes out, I'll send you um, a DM, letting you know. Awesome. Um, so, so yeah, I'll, um, I'll let you go. Uh, All right. So yeah, thanks for listening, everyone. And have a great weekend. Awesome, thanks, mate. Cheers, pal. I'll see you in a bit. I wonder if God got a plan for everyone. I wonder if I could take a second run. Cause I carry on getting sad and getting stuck. What I wouldn't give for a life that doesn't suck. I'm a moving target. 